The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. When a quarterback who's drafted so high doesn't get that fifth-year option picked up, immediately the thought is, he's done, he's down the road. Since that happened, what have you heard and observed with Mitch, and how do you forecast his opportunity to still win this job this fall? It basically took us one hour to, to make a couple phone calls, explain it to Mitch. Um, he understands, and then we all we all move on. Now he's very very competitive, and I think that what what this is is a healthy competition between him and Nick. They're good people, which makes it a lot easier. But they're very very competitive, yeah, yeah. and so this is going to bring the, the most out of them. And uh, he handled it great. Really really proud of him for that, and, and I think that they're they're both really looking forward to the future. That's Bears coach Matt Nagy with Mike Tirico on Lunch Talk Live recently. A, a decision the Bears have made before as it relates to cornerback Kyle Fuller not picking up the fifth-year option and then maybe ultimately doing a new contract with the player at some point down the road. But I understand why the Bears did not pick up the Mitch Trubisky option. $24 million plus for next year, 2021, guaranteed for injury, which means if anything happens to him at any point this year and he can't pass a physical before March of next year, they're on the hook for all that money. And if he has a great year, if something happens, if lightning strikes – and they have to franchise tag him, it's not much more to franchise tag him than it is to pick up the fifth-year option, especially if there's a chance the salary cap goes down because if the cap goes down next year, the franchise tag number goes down as well. So I understand why they did it. There's no reason to make that commitment and then worry about him getting injured. And now, hey, Mitch, here's your chance. Go out there and prove yourself, win the starting job, or if you get a chance to play due to injury or whatever, go out and play well. And it's the proverbial good problem to have, Big Cat, if they end up having to franchise tag Mitchell Trubisky next year. Yeah, and, and I'm still rooting for for Mitch Trubisky. It'd be crazy not to. The best case scenario would be he's young. You you know he becomes a franchise quarterback. Is it likely? Probably not. But you can't say that you're rooting against it. No one's rooting for him to fail. If you if you consider yourself a Bears fan, it's just the whole thing is frustrating. And what what really stinks for for Mitch more than anything is that it it not only was he picked number two 
trade up, but who he was in the draft with. And and you knew that was going to happen as soon as it happened. You knew that, you know, whenever there's a draft and you have three quarterbacks in the first round, it's Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and, and Mitch Trubisky, their stories will forever be intertwined. So to have Deshaun Watson be as good as he is, to have Patrick Mahomes look like he has potential to his ceiling could be his ceiling could be best ever. Think about that. His ceiling could be best ever. And then you have Mitch Trubisky in that draft. That's one of those ones where how can you can't blame the guy for who gets drafted after him. You can blame the organization, but you can't blame the guy. So I, I, by all accounts, Mitch Trubisky has handled it well, and he's a good guy, and, and I'm rooting for him. I truly am rooting for him uh, to somehow win this job and be be a good quarterback. We talked last hour about your strategy or strategy, as the case may, case may be, when it comes to hair dye. You, you tell everyone you do it, and that takes the sting out of mm-hmm. somebody saying, hey, you dye your hair. Is there something the Bears can do? Is there something Mitchell Trubisky can do that is the equivalent of that? Is there a way they can turn this thing on its head and take the steam out of the, they traded up a spot to draft Trubisky and left Mahomes and Deshaun Watson on the board? Yeah, I mean, short of, of Ryan Pace and Mitch Trubisky joking about it themselves, I don't think so. And what, if I were to to write the perfect script for next year for the Bears and the redemption of Mitch Trubisky is that he – I don't know if him winning the job out of camp would even be good because I think the pressure would be so incredible. I think him having a situation where he can get into the starting lineup uh, later in the season and, and almost redeem the team, save the team, get them to a playoff spot would be the way that you, you would hope that it would go for a guy like that. I just – it's frustrating, but again, it's not anything new because the Bears, this is what they do. I had a dream the other night, Mike, that the Bears won uh, one game next year and got Trevor Lawrence, and they drafted Trevor Lawrence. And then Trevor Lawrence turned out to be a bust too. So nothing really changes. And that's kind of been the story for the Bears. Even though the Browns <laughs> got so much more publicity for that one jersey that we saw with all the names on the back, and they thought Baker Mayfield would be the end, and maybe it will be. We don't know for sure yet based upon what happened last year. But the Bears have had that same thing. And really, you go all the way back to Sid Luckman. I remember when they traded for Jay Cutler, the narrative was they haven't had a true franchise quarterback since Sid Luckman. And even though Jay Cutler generated a lot of numbers, he didn't have the kind of success that would make anyone compare him to Sid Luckman. Now, we didn't have time to go all the way back to Sid Luckman. And usually when we do a deja vu segment, it focuses on one quarterback. But just for you, Big Cat, we've put together (laughs) highlights of all the quarterbacks. Not all of them, because there were too many. There are 34 starting quarterbacks since Jim McMahon. Let's begin with Ohio State's Mike Tom Zach getting it done for a brief period of time with the Bears. Where's Jim Harbaugh? There's Jim Harbaugh. Okay, I was going to say, you better not skip Jim Harbaugh. First round pick. First round pick. Yes, the first round picks for the Bears are uh, Jim Harbaugh, Cade McDown, and and, uh, Rex Grossman, and Mitch Trubisky. Look at that. That's some great quarterbacking in the first round. Yeah, yeah, none out of four ain't bad. Although Jim Harbaugh ended up being a pretty good quarterback, although he had more success elsewhere than he did with the Bears. Eric Kramer, remember Eric Kramer? He, you know, Uh, some of these guys, they flashed for a little bit, but then it always falls apart. They all kind of flash for a little bit. I mean, not all of them, but there's, I mean, when we get to Rex, you know, Rex flashed for a little bit. Kyle Orton flashed for a little we got, bit. We got a way to go before we get to Rex. We got a way before we get to Kyle. We got, we got we still Steve have, Walsh. We still have uh, Jim Miller. We still have Cordell Stewart. Uh, we still have Henry Burris. Steve Walsh. 
First round pick in the supplemental draft, only months after the Cowboys took Troy Aikman, although Jimmy Johnson ultimately parlayed Steve Walsh into some draft picks with the Saints, I believe. He ended up in Chicago once it became clear that he wasn't going to get it done. Shane Matthews, Florida's Shane Matthews. Again, Not flash the first for time a little while. Florida. A little yeah. tease, right? A little yeah. tease. A little, uh, just something to make people think maybe this is the guy and then ultimately not the guy. You mentioned Jim Miller. He's up next in this list. And again, we don't have all of them. We, we didn't have time for all 34 well, I assume who have started since Jim McMahon. I think we're going to skip over the year with uh, Craig Krenzel, Chad Hutchinson, Jonathan Quinn, and, and Rex Grossman was the four-headed monster. So that would probably be uh, – we're going to skip right past that. There's Chris Chandler. Chris Chandler's a guy that, that you know, he did uh, Cordell Stewart after his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cordell Stewart, yeah, Cordell Stewart. I mean, Slash, he was electric. So maybe not for the Bears, but he was electric. I, you know, that that's a guy who, <laughs> what he was when you watch Cordell he Stewart, did, he, he, he had did, moments. He did. He had, but, and he had the iconic the Colorado, Colorado. No, of course not with the Bears. That's my point is that he can never do it with the Bears. He had the, the iconic hey. Hail Mary, Colorado versus uh, Michigan in 94. At least the Bears didn't draft Cade McNown in 1999 before Donovan McNabb. It could Listen, have been worse. Chicago UCLA native Donovan was, McNabb. UCLA was, uh, was an absolute wagon on offense. Here's Rex. Okay, Rex is our quarterback. There we go. 2000 what? What year? 2004 first round pick? Is that what it was? 2004? He was 2000, I want to say three, because he got hurt. Remember, Ooh, he got hurt the Chris two Sims times. Class. Yeah, that, he got hurt it was the, three times in a row, Chris actually. Sims. He got. He kept on getting hurt. Yeah, we could have had Chris Sims, Brian Greasy, Brian oh, Greasy. Man. He he, another guy that played in a few other places before landing in Chicago. But again, and was had better his somewhere else with the yeah, Bears, was and better was better somewhere else. else absolutely. Uh, yeah. we, we we're working our way toward Kyle Orton with the fabulous neck beard. He got it done for a little while. Again, a little while with the Bears. I love Kyle Orton. I will always love Kyle Orton. I I, I quickest release. And also, he saved, you know, the, the Bears, the Rex Grossman getting hurt those years. Kyle Orton was was the guy who came in a lot of times. The all-in move Jay, came my with number... the trade for Jay Cutler in 2009. And, uh, That's you know, my look, quarterback. He, didn't he, he set all the records. He set all the records. Of course he did. From a production standpoint. Because he was there longer Caleb than anybody Haney. since Sid Luckman. Yes, now, I'm, su I'm surprised you're not using the Caleb Haney, Todd Collins highlights from the 2010 NFC Championship game because that one, that's what it really hurt. And we've Josh gone McCown. from oh, Cade McNown to Josh McCown. Who did and we you skip? skipped over. You skipped over Jason Campbell and one of the worst games. Actually, Jason Campbell and the Bears are uh, should be applauded for the birth of Colin Kaepernick's career in the NFL because remember that uh, Sunday night – or it might have been Monday night – game where the Bears went out to San Francisco and got absolutely torched by Colin Kaepernick in his, I think it might have been his debut with Jason Campbell as the quarterback. Great job by you filibustering through the Jimmy Clausen highlight because that's not a guy Jimmy Clausen gets the, the start because of all remember time. Jimmy Well, Jimmy Clausen gets the start because Mark Trestman tried to save his job. He benched Jay Cutler in that week 16 game against the Lions being like, well, it's really Jay Cutler's fault, not my fault that we stink. And uh, it was a futile attempt to save his job after year two. Mike Glennon. Brian Hoyer. We missed Brian Hoyer. He's played for every team in the NFL. Here's Mike Glennon in his brief period of time as the starter uh, before. Wait, he he's the guy they signed right before they, yes. they drafted Trubisky, they, right? He was the starter for like a month. They didn't tell Mike Glennon 
or John Fox that they were going to draft Mitch Trubisky. Mike Glennon was at a uh, draft party at Soldier Field with season ticket holders, and then they drafted Mitch Trubisky. And I, Chase there Daniel was a got a start I, or two. Go ahead. There was a moment where I was all in on Mike Glennon. I had convinced myself that he was the guy. Well, you convinced yourself Trubisky was the guy until you didn't. Now, look, 2018, they were 12-4. and four. They went to the playoffs. But for the double doink, they beat the Eagles and they get to the divisional round. It's amazing how quickly it turned. You're right? They, there was reason for hope a year ago. And then last season, it all fell apart. That was very cruel, that entire segment. But, yes, you were right. The, the, at the end of the day, when you look at what the Bears are going to do next year, if you can get just competent quarterbacking, not even saying above average, Mike. I'm not saying you need Nick Foles to be, you know, Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles or 27 touchdowns, two interceptions Nick Foles. I'm talking about basic competency. Their defense was still good last year. Their defense struggled because they had no support. They lost a game where the Packers scored, I think, 10 points at opening night. They lost a game when the Chargers scored 17 points. They lost a game when the Rams scored 17 points. They lost games that statistically you should win in the NFL when your defense performs that way, and we've seen it a million times. You have three or four games that could go either way, and you can flip those, and you get a little bit of luck, and that's really what it comes down to when, when you look at you know all these teams and try to predict each season. There are teams that you know will be there, and you there are teams that you know are good, but for the rest of the league, outside of the top five or six teams, for the rest of the league, it really does simply come down to a couple lucky bounces here and there that can change your season from six and ten to ten and six or seven and nine to nine and seven and get you in the playoffs. Let me ask you this. Last year That was such a great spin you, zone. That felt so good. Oh everyone's got a chance. Place, do you place the offensive blame on Mitchell Trubisky's inability to perform? Or do you put it on Coach Matt Nagy's reluctance to transform the offense? to suit the skills and abilities of Mitchell Trubisky uh, because it feels like Nagy has always been trying to jam the square peg into the round hole, wanting the mm -hmm. guy who can run his offense, not changing his offense. So it matches and meshes with the skills of Trubisky. Who do you put the blame on for last year? I think it's equal. I mean, it, it, it has to be frustrating from Matt Nagy's perspective to, to, to be coaching someone like Mitch Trubisky, who's not able to, you know, perform what they're trying to install during the week. But at the same time, the great coaches in the NFL adapt and they adapt to their skill sets and they play their team's strengths and they make sure that they get the most out of their quarterback. And I do think, you know, watching the bears, if you watch Mitch Trubisky in the NFL, it's pretty, pretty like obvious that he, he has some athleticism. And when you can, when you can like run tempo and eliminate the, the amount of decisions he has to make when it's one read or run, when it's uh, two-minute offense, that's where he succeeds. And I think that the Bears not being able to to do that is definitely falls on Matt Nagy. I need to make one more observation about the Bears. This is something I said earlier in the week, and I want to know if you agree with me on this. It's both a compliment to the organization and, in a roundabout way, an insult. We're at Soldier Field for the game to start the season. I'd never been to Soldier Field before. I'd never been to Chicago before. Soldier Field is an impressive venue. Oh, it's beautiful. The fan base in Chicago is impressive. The city is first class. I, I feel like the Bears should be 12-4 and four every year when yeah. you factor in what's yes. around the organization. 
why aren't they better because when you have such a great football city, such great fans, so much aura and history and everything that goes along with it? Where's the disconnect? The disconnect is the ownership. And it's it's the simple fact in the NFL, there are a handful of owners that their goal every single year is to win the Super Bowl. And they want to be competitive and they want to win a Super Bowl. They will do anything they can to win a Super Bowl. The rest of the owners in the NFL are pretty darn happy cashing enormous checks and every few years maybe catching lightning in a bottle and getting to the playoffs. The McCaskies fall on the ladder. And it just is what it is. You know what I mean? There's not this is this is the reality of being an NFL fan. You have to figure out pretty quickly, and we can go down the list. There are owners that are adamant that they're going to spend every dollar and use every resource to try to win the Super Bowl every single year. And a lot of owners that just are happy to be there. And it is, you know, you just have to accept that, right? Like you just have to accept that because that's the reality of the situation. And guess what? There are more owners that fall into the ladder that are just happy to cash that check, be competitive every few years, do, you know, every now and then make the playoffs and hopefully catch lightning in a bottle. Then there are owners that will do everything they can in their power to try to hire the smartest people, the best facilities, all that stuff to win a Super Bowl. Well, it's a special football town, and I enjoyed being there, and I look forward to going back someday. And I look forward to the day that there's a true franchise quarterback year in and year out for the Bears. It's been a while. It's been a while. One win this year, Trevor Lawrence next year, and then he'll be a bust, and then then it'll be somebody else at some point down the road. All right, uh, let's stay in the NFC North. When we return, the Packers haven't had a problem finding a quarterback in the past 30 years. They have a problem putting help around the quarterback. Now their head coach wants more big plays. Based upon the lack of help they have around the quarterback, we'll try to make sense of all that when PFT Live continues right after this. One area that we really need to improve upon is is creating more explosive plays. We were pretty efficient as an offense. Uh, I think we were forced in efficiency, but we were like 23rd in explosive plays. And so that I, I think it does start with the play calling, just maybe taking a few more chances to try to generate, help generate those those plays down the field. That's Packers coach Matt LaFleur on ESPN Radio Wisconsin with Jason Wildy and Mark Tauscher. And look, I was skeptical about LaFleur coming in. I wasn't sure he'd be able to command a locker room. I wasn't sure he'd have the presence. I wasn't sure he'd be able to get it done. I've been very impressed with what he's done as head coach of the Green Bay Packers, navigating some difficult personalities like the, the one uh, possessed by his starting quarterback, but uh, some challenges to take it to the next level this year. That 13-3 and may be inflated by winning some games they should have lost, and now the goal is more big plays for an offense that didn't devote a single draft pick to a receiver. Where do you get more big plays from if you have drafted another quarterback, if you spent your other top picks on thinking about the running game and taking a page out of what the 49ers do and developing that? Where are the big plays going to come from, Big Cat? Yeah, no, it's it's a good point. I think that uh, what the Packers did, though, is that they dipped into their equity that they have with their fan base in terms of making uh, good decisions, long t- decisions for the long term and being competitive for long term. We're just talking about franchises that uh, expect to win the Super Bowl every year and how few they are. The Packers are one of those franchises, and it hurts me to say, but they are always thinking long term. They all are always trying to be competitive year in and year out. So uh, they, they, this is, this is a gamble, 
But I think if there's one franchise that can do it, or there's probably a couple franchises that can do it, but the Packers are one of them. If it fails, then they can't do it again. You know what I mean? This is a risk. This is absolutely a risk. But if you're sitting there being a, if you're a Packers fan and you're mad, you're frustrated, it's fair that you're frustrated, but you also can't disagree with results when you look at like the last 30 years of the franchise. And this is what's funny about it, and I've learned to accept it over the past 20 years of covering the NFL. The fans get mad not at the Packers for doing what they did or not doing what they did in the draft. They get mad at those of us who point out that it may be a sign of dysfunction. And, uh, yeah, how dare we react to the bizarre decisions made by the Packers on draft weekend? Uh, It's okay for the organization to make the decisions. It's not okay for anyone to possibly disturb the serenity of the fans who would prefer to delude themselves into thinking that everything is going to be fine. Now, Matt LaFleur tried to convince folks that it will be fine by explaining why they made the move to select Jordan Love in round one. Let's listen to a little bit of what LaFleur had to say on ESPN Radio Wisconsin about how the dominoes fell in a way that resulted in Jordan Love falling into their laps. You know, when that whole thing went down, it was just one of those situations where there were a couple guys targeted that had just previously been picked, and, and Jordan was the next guy on the board. And so, you know... Um, went with the best player at, at, at the time. Look, that's fine. I respect the explanation, but it doesn't necessarily mesh with reality. He's creating the impression there that when it was time for them to pick, they looked at their board and they did the whole best player available. We're not going to reach for need. He's the best guy on our board at this spot, so we're going to take him. Some of the other guys we liked are gone. We're going to take him. Okay, that's fine. They traded up four spots to get him, though. That twist undercuts the picture that Matt LaFleur was trying to paint. They said, go get him. They could have gone and gotten one of the other guys that doesn't play quarterback. They've shown that they know how to move up. They moved up to get Jordan Love. So that takes away, I think, from some of the plausibility of what Matt LaFleur had to say, Big Cat. And and that's where the frustration comes in if you are a Packer fan that that they moved up. That you didn't probably have to move. You put. You didn't need a quarterback right now, and you definitely didn't need to move up for a quarterback right now. And Jordan Love is, you know, could end up being a great quarterback, but he's very raw. And there's, you know, the the opinion on him was all over the place. It wasn't like a, a no doubter. It wasn't a situation that you know people say, well, Aaron Rodgers you know, was drafted in the first round, later in the first round. Well, Aaron Rodgers fell. Remember, Aaron Rodgers was a situation where he could have been drafted into top of the draft, and then the way the dominoes fell with teams that didn't need a quarterback, that's where the slide came from. Jordan Love was always slated to be down there in the 20s, and the Packers moved up for him instead of Jordan Love sliding from the top of the draft all the way down to the 20s because someone – you know, all these teams didn't need a quarterback. It's a very different situation, and it feels like they pressed a little bit. And that's a specific point that Brett Favre made when discussing the dynamics of the Aaron Rodgers-Green Bay Packers relationship post-Jordan Love being a first-round pick. Favre said, when they pick Rodgers when I was there, you got this great player who tumbles into the 20s. You can't say no. Now you you're you're jumping up in round 1 for a guy who is regarded as a project. It wasn't Tua falling down into the 20s. This was the guy who was expected to be there anyway and this was the Packers trying to get him before someone else could. 
But there's a roll of the dice aspect to Jordan Love that wasn't there with Aaron Rodgers. And that was something Brett Favre said after speaking with Rodgers. So in a roundabout way, I feel like what the Packers are trying to do here is cram some toothpaste back in the tube. They're trying Mm -hmm. to prepare the relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Because, look, Rodgers isn't going to come out and say, I'm upset. Behind the scenes, behind closed doors, behind the curtain, he probably will be more candid because he was candid with Brett Favre and Brett Favre was candid with a couple of different radio hosts, Rich Eisen and some folks at Sirius XM NFL Radio, discussing what Favre heard from Rodgers. So they got some damage control to do here. So putting this narrative out there that, hey, hey, look, we're just, you know, we're just minding our own business and this is the guy who was on the board, that's fine if you ignore the fact they traded up to get him. You throw that in, it changes it. And I think that's what makes it even more of a twist of the knife for Aaron Rodgers because it wasn't a situation where he was the best player available when the Packers made their selection. They moved up to get him, and there's an extra element to that that makes it seem like more of an activation of a plan to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And that's what I think most reasonable people think. The Packers have activated a plan to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, how could you think otherwise? What What would you say, Mike, if you had to but, guess? But how you dare you your... say that? But how How dare you say that? You're not allowed to say that as a member of the media. We're not, we're, not al- we're not allowed to acknowledge the obvious here that they've activated a plan to move on from Aaron Rodgers. If you draft a quarterback in the first round, you have mo- you you are saying this is our future quarterback. That you don't put first round draft capital into the quarterback position and then say, well, actually, he's just going to be a career backup behind Aaron Rodgers. Of course, that's what you can say. What would you, if you had to guess right now, Mike, how many more years is Aaron Rodgers is starting quarterback for the Packers? What are you saying? One, 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 one year, one year. At first, I thought two. I think it's going to be one year because. He's going to want out after this season. And even though the cap hit is significant next year, it's actually lower than the cap hit of keeping him on the team, like by $4.8 million, and they save $22 million in cash. I think he's going to want to be traded after this year. And I think that that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy, the CEO of the team, they're going to be happy to comply because it's not going to quite be anything close to what Terrell Owens did in 2005 with the Eagles. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't take much to become a pain in the ass if you really want to be a pain in the ass. And we've already seen little flashes of kind of passive-aggressive Aaron Rodgers. I think behind the scenes, we're going to see a little more of that, even though we're not going to know about it. They're going to experience a little more of that. And maybe maybe he walks out the door with a Super Bowl trophy under his arm, and maybe a Super Bowl appearance goes a long way toward mending fences, so maybe that would change. But I think they want one more year of kind of, a, of an upset Aaron Rodgers and see what they can get out of him before they move on. I think they prefer two years, but I think he's going to want it to be one year. He's going to want to get on with the next phase of his career sooner rather than later. Okay, so follow-up, because this might be what the Packers have been thinking all along, is that, you know, we draft Jordan Love, we have Aaron Rodgers for this year, and then what does Aaron Rodgers get back in a trade? Well, I I think that you could at least get a first-round pick for Aaron Rodgers. And the earlier you trade him, the the, the more you're going to get for him. You wait two years, you're not going to get as much. You trade him next year, I I think it's at least a first-round pick. I can't recall what the Jets gave up for the Green Bay uh, when they to the Green Bay Packers when they traded for Brett Favre. I remember the trade had a clause that if the Jets retraded him to a team in the NFC North, they'd have to give up three first round picks, uh, which is why the Jets ultimately cut him. They didn't trade him to the Vikings, but um, I, I, I think that, that okay, 
third round pick and he was pushing 40 and he was p- mm-hmm. pushing 40 at the time. I think Aaron Rodgers after this year is worth a first round pick, maybe a first round pick plus. And, uh, um, so that's you what know, they're thinking. Uh, look, you can rebuild I, we, you know, you draft your quarterback this year. If you end up after this year, uh, take one more run with Aaron Rodgers. after this year, you trade him, And now you're going into the next year with two, oh, let's call it two first round picks and two second round picks. That's a pretty nice, you know, rebuild on the fly, which I think, you know, a lot of teams try to do, and it's pretty much impossible, but it seems like that's what the Packers might be thinking, and, and it could work out. Unfortunately, it could work out. Here's the thing, though. I think they want two more years. My gut feeling, my guess here, and I got nothing to base this on other than just covering Aaron Rodgers' his entire career, following the NFL, and, and trying to stay ahead of where the ball is moving – I think that by next year, he's going to want out and they're going to give him what he wants. I guess the challenge will be finding a trade partner that will happily give up a first round pick plus. And if Aaron Rodgers is available, there's going to be a team out there that wants him. There's going to be a team out there that runs to get Aaron Rodgers onto their roster if he is indeed available. I don't know. I, maybe it's a one and a three. Not 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 just the three from Brett Favre, but a three plus a first round pick to get Aaron Rodgers. All right, we got to take a break. Nick Saban thought he had it tough when he was facing Bill Belichick twice per year. He's going to have the toughest test of his career coming up very soon. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Don't step on that. Playing Michigan. They haven't been good since you left. <laughs> Can you help us get them recruit them a little bit? some quarterbacks or something? Oh my. There it is. There it is. Yes. Yes. Whoever told me to get my wide receivers involved. Thank you. Yes. There it is. We heard from Tom Brady sticking it to Peyton Manning because Tennessee has not been very good in recent years. Tennessee is back thanks to Coach Doug Duggerton and the volunteers as manipulated by Big Cat. 7 and 0. And a huge game in the offing. Don't look past South Carolina today at 3 p.m. Eastern because coming up on Sunday night, it's Nick Saban in Alabama. Don't fall into the trap against the Gamecocks because you got the Crimson I, Tide coming on the back end. I am the number one, uh, the number one trap coach guy in the world. Every every time I do well, I just I just am so bad the next game. Alabama. Under Nick Saban, 13-0 against Tennessee. So he's coming for Change you that. on Sunday night. I'm going to have to check that one out. We got a draft in- inspired by Coach Doug Duggerton when PFT – I know it's Gus – when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, we have a draft for this Friday inspired by Coach Gus Duggerton of the Big Cat college football video game. He is barnstorming through college football. No loyalty to any program, a new team every year, but a guy who you clearly would want to have a beer with. Taking the internet and social media by storm is Gus Duggerton. So today's draft, all-time NFL coaches you'd want to have a beer with. Big Cat, you came up with the trivia question. For me, if I get it right, I get the first pick. Go. Okay. Uh, So we'll stay in the NFC North. The 2008 Lions went 0-16. Who were the starting quarterbacks for the Detroit Lions that year? All of them? Yeah. Dan Orlovsky was one of them. 
Yep. Was he the only one? He didn't start all no, 16 games. I'll give you a hint. There's how, how three. Many? Three. There's three. How am I going to remember these other two schlubs? It's Dan Orlovsky and two other guys. I don't know. I'm not going to waste time on the show trying to remember who they were. Uh, Dan Orlovsky, Joey Harrington. He was probably gone mm, by then. I gone. give up. I, I I give up. Orlovsky. Dan Orlovsky, John Kitna. You should have gotten that one. No, I shouldn't have. Who Dante else? Dante Culpepper. Ah, Dante Culpepper. I forgot he ended up in Detroit after his time with the Miami Dolphins. All right, you get the mm-hmm. first pick. That was Ray. All right, go first ahead. pick. First pick, I will go with – I'll go with a legend. I'll go from the legendary uh, status. I'll go with John Madden. The guy has has been football for his entire life. He knows football. He's been in the booth. He's got the video game. He's won Super Bowls. I would love to get on the bus with John Madden and have a beer with John Madden. That would be incredible. The storytelling would be out of this world. I don't disagree with you at all. I am just stunned that as a Bears fan, you would do that when you've got more well, I was hoping to choose that, from. I was hoping that you would uh I was hoping you would go I, I was hoping you had something else. I was trying to draft for uh no. like strategy here. No, I, I'm going Mike Ditka, baby. Mike Ditka. I've had that a drink be... with Mike Ditka though. So I've already well, checked that well, off the list. But 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 uh, so so he's exempt because you had a beer with Mike Ditka. I, yeah. I'm not talking about Mike Ditka now. I'm talking about Mike Ditka back in the days when he had a perm, when he wore the sweater vest with bears on it, and when he could kick your ass with the flick of a wrist. That's the Mike Ditka I want to hang out with, the 1985 Mike Ditka. So uh, make sure it's like young Elvis, old Elvis. I want young Mike Ditka, or at least kind of middle Mike Ditka, not the player. I want the guy who was coaching the bears in the 80s. Okay, so uh, I know that this was part of the strategery, which is the word of the day. I knew that I was going to have one of these guys. So I'll then take Buddy Ryan because Buddy Ryan would be an all-time beer to have with. So I knew I was going to get one of the two. Had to go John Madden first for value because now, Mike, if you're paying attention, which I hope you are, pay attention, I am putting together an incredible draft. But Buddy Ryan, I'm, I'm surprised you take Buddy Ryan. He's the arch rival. He's the nemesis of Mike Ditka. I mean, what a but rumble the stories, we would have. I'm talking if, about stories. If, stories. if we're at the bar, if we're at the bar, and I got Ditka with me, and you got Ryan with you, and something we goes down. We whoop you guys. We whoop I'm, you guys. No, no, not even close. Yeah, we not whoop even you guys. Close. No, 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 no. Uh, not, mm-hmm. not unless you got Rex and Rob uh, as backup. It's, it's not happening. Um, uh, and not because of anything I'm going to do. I'm just going to let Ditka take care of everything. All right, next one for me. And this can go so many different ways. Uh, we, we, we recently had some sound on the show of 93-year-old Bud Grant, Hall of Fame Vikings coach. And here's why I want to have a beer with him. This is very simple. He doesn't like Vince Lombardi. And it came through in the quote that we played on the show. He thinks that Don Shula was the better coach. He has described Vince Lombardi as a tyrant. He said on a, an appearance with Paul Allen and Fran Targan a couple of weeks ago on KFAN in Minneapolis that, that uh, there was something about Lombardi he didn't like. I'd want to get to the bottom of that. I want to know what Bud Grant didn't like about Vince Lombardi. That would be the goal of beer number one. And then beer number two would be like, hunting and fishing tips, because I really don't know much about those things. I'd want to get some advice on on dog training. Bud Grant, very big on that. I'd want to be able to better train my own dog and get some tips from him there. And then just talk about the days of 
playing in Metropolitan Stadium and wearing shirt sleeves and having his Vikings players freeze their butts off to the point where they were they were numb to it literally and psychologically where it didn't affect them. So give me Bud Grant for round two. Okay, I've dominated this draft. This has been an absolute floor wiping of yeah, Mike Florio. Just because, listen, per okay, usual. You came, you per came usual. up with a crappy trivia question per that no one usual. could have answered. You came per up with usual. a trivia question that no one could have answered. All right, go ahead. Okay, all right. Last one. Another easy one, because I'm going stories. I want storytellers. You know, John Madden knows the history. You think Bud Grant doesn't of, have stories? You don't think John Bud Madden has stories? the history of football. The, you know, Buddy Ryan is a fiery guy who would tell you all kinds of stories. And you, you, you remember that, that 30 for 30 about the 85 Bears and how much those defensive guys love Buddy Ryan. That would be incredible. The best storyteller is still on the list here. And he's probably the funnest guy on this list too, Mike. Do you want to guess who I'm going to pick? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Just I'm going to take pick. Jimmy Johnson. I'm going to take Jimmy Johnson. Tell me all about the 90s Cowboys. He is an unbelievable storyteller, and I can guarantee you Jimmy Johnson would be a fun guy to have a beer with. W would he really tell you all the stories? You just assume that these people are going to open up to you. You assume, yeah. Why do you think they're going to open ever up seen, to you and tell you all these stories? Have you, have, you ever seen, have you ever seen me conduct an interview? One of the greatest interviewers of all time. Okay. Uh, you know, you 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 were you were kind of humble and you were kind of different. You were a little reserved <laughs> earlier in the program, but now here we are in the final fifteen minutes. You're kind of back to being out of my the same show, jerk you are every yeah, Friday. Every Friday. The coffee. This is hit. what I deal with every single Friday. <laughs> all right, I, I am gonna I, I am gonna go with one that uh, we've been reminded of here, and I'm, I'm gonna give Pete Demolitis the credit for this one because again, I could have gone a lot of different directions, and there are a lot of guys I thought about, but. Uh, Bum Phillips, Bum Phillips, one of the legendary coaches of all time. Some of the Bum what's His that? name's Buddy Ryan. I already have Bum Phillips. No. His name's Buddy Ryan. I got Ryan. the original <laughs> Buddy Ryan. I got Bum Phillips. Buddy Ryan didn't wear a cowboy hat. Here's a quote from Dr. Z's book. Once in San Diego, Sid Gilman called in his defensive assistant, Bum Phillips, to watch a particularly meaningful piece of footage. He ran it over countless times while Bum Phillips yawned. Bum, Gilman eventually said, this is better than making love. Said Phillips in response, either I don't know how to watch film or you don't know how to make love. So that's, that's Bum Phillips. And uh, I'd want to hang out with Bum Phillips. And, and let me tell you, I, I, I'll, I'll take Bum Phillips instead of Mike Ditka. You can have Mike Ditka and Buddy Ryan. I have a feeling that Bum Phillips is going to come around uh, and throw everybody out the window if push comes to shove. You got any more? You want to do one more round? I mean, you, you, just, you just got, you, you got fed that. So that wasn't you. That's all right. At least I admit it. Admit it. It's like your hair dye trick. I'm admitting it. Admit I'm not it. trying to act like I came up with it. Uh, all right. Yeah. If we want to go another one, I would, I would, I would like to have a beer with Bill Belichick. I think he knows so much about football. And if you could, Bill Belichick is that, is that it feels like if you can get him comfortable and he likes you, he will share everything. So I'd put him on the list. Number four. I'm, I'm, how did your interview with Bill Belichick go? How did that go? I, as yet to happen, but I'm sure it will go great when it does. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I, I don't disagree you with that. You one. wouldn't. Yeah. You, of course you would. Yeah. I mean, it's, it would be, it, it could go, it could go completely Here's why. horrible, but the ceiling on that one is out of the chart, out of the world. He'd have to realize that you're not a member of the media. Cause he's not going to open up 
if he thinks you're a member of the media and you're going to use anything that he tells you against you at some point later. The, and the other thing, too, is I've always heard how much fun he is when you get him away from football. So you get him on his boat, right? You get him away from football, and maybe he opens up, maybe he loosens up. And you just got to – you know, the thing about Bill Belichick, and it happens at press conferences every once in a while, he gets asked a question that tickles his fancy, and he talks for like five minutes. You get him on some historical football – obscure thing so that would be the challenge you just kind of sit back and wait for him to find something for something to naturally come up in the conversation that captures his attention and uh, I think it could be very rewarding I'm going to flip it around and I mentioned Don Shula earlier and this is kind of like one of the reasons I want to talk to Bud Grant and know why he didn't like Vince Lombardi Don Shula didn't like Bill Belichick I want to go down that Mm -hmm. rabbit hole I want to go all the way is it just a spygate thing is there more to it what didn't you like about Bill Belichick and, and obviously, Don Shula, one of the greatest coaches of all time, the 17-0 season. You want stories. Give me stories about going 17-0 back in the days of some rough-and-tumble football with a quarterback rapid who didn't fire, throw. Rapid fire. I'll let you go first. Uh, three current coaches. Go. Three current coaches. Three current go. coaches. Rapid fire. Mike Zimmer. Okay. I'll take Mike Vrabel. Okay. I will take uh, boy Pete Carroll. Okay. I'll take Bill Belichick. You already did. You already took Bill Belichick. All right, fine. I'll take Andy Reid. All right, Andy Reid's not bad. I I will go with uh, Mike McCarthy, Pittsburgh guy. Okay. I like hanging out um, with Pittsburgh guys. I get the last pick here. Hmm. I would go. And, and I want And 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 I want. I want to get Mike McCarthy drunk. I want to get Mike McCarthy drunk, and I want to hear him talk about Aaron Rodgers. Another benefit. Ooh. I, I, you know what? I can't believe you didn't put this one on. I won this draft as well. I, I won the supplementary draft because you've got your best friend, Mike Florio. Sean Payton. Sean Payton. That's true. Sean Payton. <laughs> um, yeah. I, have, I haven't had a beer with any of those guys, though, including Sean Payton. But uh, I've had a glass um, of wine with Sean Payton once. Yeah. Aren't you fancy? Here's the quote from Bud Grant about Vince Lombardi. Lombardi and I didn't get along. He was a tyrant, and he coached that way. Great coach, but he coached with fear, and he treated everybody, whether you're the president or the secretary of the club, with bombastic fear. That's Bud Grant talking about why he didn't like Vince Lombardi. And I'm surprised we didn't mention Lombardi. I guess, I mean, there are plenty of coaches all time that you'd love to just hang around and hear what they have to say and hear their stories. I I was surprised you didn't pick George Hallis. That's the other coach I was talking about, not Buddy Ryan. I'm surprised that neither of us picked Vince Lombardi, Chuck Knoll, Tom Landry. Tom Landry's the kind of guy that had that very stern facade. I have a feeling you kind of get behind that, and there's a different guy there once you take off the fedora and the coat and tie. But uh, a lot of great possibilities, a lot of great personalities that have coached in the NFL over the years. So those are our choices. Uh, Let's take a break. When we return... Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs beginning the process of negotiating toward a second contract that undoubtedly will be the richest contract in NFL history. My one piece of advice for Patrick Mahomes and his agents coming up here on Pro Football Talk Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. It has finally begun. Sam Mellinger, the Kansas City Star, reports that the Chiefs and quarterback Patrick Mahomes have commenced negotiations on a second contract. The window opened at the conclusion of the 2019 regular season. Patrick Mahomes has not been clamoring for a contract, hasn't been jostling, hasn't been demanding that something get done. He said all the right things. Now it's time for the two sides to do the right thing. And Big Cat, this is something you and I have spoken about earlier. The idea that what Mahomes needs is a percentage of the salary cap. The cap is going to keep going up. It may dip a little bit next year. You have a set salary in there to protect against a reduction, but you want to share in the ongoing growth of the cap so you never get leapfrogged by anyone else. As the market goes up, your pay goes up, the salary cap goes up, and you always are leaving a set percentage of the pie behind. If you get 17%, There's always 83 cents on the dollar for the rest of the team to be put around you. That is the best way to protect Patrick Mahomes against what becomes a bad contract in a few years. That's what they need to do. It's permissible. Players have tried to get that term. The teams have resisted. I think the league doesn't want teams to do it. This is the guy. If anyone's going to get it, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall for this negotiation just imagining that Patrick Mahomes and his agent show up and they're like, so we just want all the money and they just have a nice hearty laugh. And they're like, sure deal. No problem. We'll give you all the money. That sounds like a good deal for us because when, when was the last time something like this has happened, Mike, where it's a guy who has won a quarterback or won a Super Bowl so quickly uh, and has such insane skill level that it's like not even a question. It's not even a question. I mean, I'm thinking back, Peyton Manning obviously was a no-doubter, but he hadn't won a Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl, but he wasn't great in that Super Bowl. He wasn't Patrick Mahomes by – I mean, he was probably the worst winning Super Bowl quarterback at the time. Um, I'm trying – like, who who else has ever been in this specific point where their year three, four of their career already Russell Super Wilson. Bowl title? Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. There it is. So, yeah. So, there it is. Yeah. And Russell Wilson stays among the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL, and he was never an MVP – of uh, either a Super Bowl or the NFL regular season. Mahomes, NFL MVP 2018, Super Bowl MVP 2019. And, and look, here's the thing. He has said he doesn't want to, to put the Chiefs in a spot where they can't put talent around him. Peyton Manning's position always was, it's my job to get paid as much as money as I can. It's your job to manage the salary cap. I don't think Mahomes is going to take that approach. He could, and you could argue that he should. 
I think the best protection is say whatever the salary cap is, I get 18 cents of every dollar or 19, whatever they, they negotiate that and let the dollars figure themselves out based upon what the cap is. Do you think Peyton Manning ever regrets that? Do you ever think he looks back and he's like, hey, we had a couple teams that were pretty close, no. but a piece away. They still no. had a good team around him. They still had no, a good I team know. around him. Yeah, but so, there were definitely I, I, years where they were, you know, the, their defense wasn't up to par and, and having an extra player or two would have would have made the difference. Look at what Tom Brady did, though. How many? How much can we really point to what the Patriots did to take advantage of the money that Tom Brady didn't insist on? Now, they had a – here's the key. They had a strong middle class of backups. That's the key. And and that's that. here's where I'll concede your point. Peyton Manning had plenty of guys around him, but when those guys got hurt, they had to go with young guys who maybe couldn't step up. The Patriots always had those veterans in backup roles who could come in and not miss a beat. That was how they right. benefited from Tom Brady taking less. All right, that's it for Friday's PFT Live. By the way, we forgot to mention Bruce Arians. I'd love to have a drink with Bruce Arians, even though he drink have both of us under the them. table. See everybody on Monday.